So guys, you know, uh, at the end of this movie, in the big final fight on the on the airplane, mm-hmm. how Bond ultimately gets out of it. You know, he's in the literally in the grips of being pulled down. Mm-hmm. What does he do? Do you remember? He slices off his boot. He pulls yep. himself up. Yeah, pull, well, they, it's it's too bad because the original title of this movie was going to be Footloose. Listeners, welcome back to another episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, joined as always by my good Dalton friends, <laughs> Joe and Duff. You're Tim Dalton. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm excited for this one, boys. I'm I'm dedicating this episode to the Brave Fighters and the Muhadeen. <laughs> <laughs> who are who are the the supporting heroes but we'll get into that the living daylights Uh, something podcasters never see (laughs) (laughs) um we are talking we're continuing our bond by bond uh season we are on this is our fourth one we are talking about timothy dalton we are past the roger bohr era and uh (laughs) and here we are living daylights we have timothy dalton and as always guys this one this one might have been one of the toughest ones so we start with a training exercise with three agents. An assassin kills one of the agents. Bond sees this and gives chase and kills him. Fun sequence. Yeah. Um, they uh, the- they they parachuted into either the PUBG or Warzone Island. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were in Verdansk. Um, next, we go to Czechoslovakia, where Bond helps get out uh, a defecting KGB general, Kosovo. Uh, general Kosovo. In it, uh, Bond sees a woman sniper who also plays a cello. And he shoots her rifle out of her hands. He then gets Kosovo and sends him to safety via pipes. The, uh, the Trans-Siberian Pipeline. pipeline yeah, yes. that was cool. Like it a, was cool. It was I like, agree. It was like one of those pneumatic tubes at the bank. When you yes, but with, but with, with people. A, but with a person. <laughs> and you're, you're also, you've been calling him General Kosovo? Yeah, Kosovo. Koskov. 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 Yeah. Kosovo is a, is a place. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, isn't Kosovo where one of, we had one of our wars? Yeah, that was yes. like I thought that's era, what right? it was so weird. As I was saying, I was like, "Well, that's right. yeah, well, it's Kosovo." I you're knew right. it wasn't Kosovo, but I couldn't remember what it was, so I didn't yeah. correct you. All right, <laughs> thank Koskov. you. Koskov. So then, uh, Koskov tells um, uh, they take him Koskov back to a safe house. He tells him that Pushkin is uh, is the guy who's in he's defecting from and he started this the death despised program is back up and then uh, after he tells him this the KGB then comes and takes Koskov away raids the safe house captures him off he goes Bond then goes back to Czechoslovakia meets up with a sniper cello woman her name is is Kara uh, he poses as Koskov's friend and finds out that she was actually Koskov's girlfriend Uh, They flee to Austria while being chased by baddies and do it using her cello case as a sled. Um, (laughs) Absolute. Just tears are in my eyes. This is what I want, guys, from from a Bond movie. Here's the other thing, Joe. It's so funny. uh, However many movies go, you're like, I don't like the ski snow No, this wasn't skiing. They were sledding. (laughs) 
while there's skiers behind them. Yeah, but the focus is on the sled action. That's true. Okay. All right. <laughs> and they, um, use a, they use a cello to steer it and to block bullets. Yeah. I'd also like to mention that for the beginning, I don't know if it's before or after the sled, the cello sled. Yeah. Um, they have a, a car that, uh, through modifications, becomes uh, snow friendly. And they do that. Yes. Cl- they do that classic Looney Tunes gag <laughs> where you circle around someone on the ice and yep. make it so that they fall in. I, I think we ice. could spend we could spend a good twenty minutes talking just about the car. And uh, I, yeah. I can't remember if it was it was before this, right? It was. It, it had was, to have been because they took the cello. Yeah, yeah so, they took the cello out of there. First of all, I I was enjoying this movie as much or more than any of the other Bond movies we've watched, and then. Our friend, Mr. Bond, deployed a laser that sliced a car in half the long way, and mm-hmm. then the bad guys slid forward off of the top of it. Yeah, that rule. And I was yeah. like, well, this is going to be the best Bond movie I've ever seen. And it didn't quite get there, but it got it's very real good. close. And then yeah. they had, and then it also has the ability, I, I don't want to miss anything. Duff, uh, it, has a, it has skis. It yep. has it has skis. It a has jet ab- engine. It has missiles because he blew up that truck. True. Yep. Uh, it had. Well, then, obviously, obviously, it had some type of cutting through ice tool, like an auger of some type. Well, the tire blew, mm-hmm. and he. I don't think even know that that was a gadget. I just think no. he he used the rims of the tire to cut through oh, like okay. two feet of ice. Somehow. Tactics, and. I, I stood up off my couch and applauded when, <laughs> when, when he drove in a circle using the rim of his front uh, tire so that these the bad guys who are in uh, like kind of a not a like a, like a large like a snowmobile tr- style truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So an, uh, a snowcat or some type to be of fair thing. before this the car was in a ice shack and the ice shack was what was driving around yes the, the so and the, the ice shack and then right before they could blow it up with a mortar of some kind he said it's time to leave <laughs> and then he drove then he le- then he drove through the front of this house that they're already driving in anyways uh the, there, the time to leave line had me cracking up there should be a Someone should supercut that sequence and sequences from Grumpy Old Men into the same movie. Just like reaction shots <laughs> yes. of, of, of Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau looking annoyed at the mayhem that's happening on the other side of the lake. Well, and you kind of had that with that guy who was like picking up a motor or a something and like lifting it up. And then all of a sudden his ice house disappears. So now I get a little confused in the living daylights because there's a lot of double crossing between Pushkin Costco and a guy named Brad Whitaker who is just a dumb American military <laughs> enthusiast who calls himself a general. The great Joe Don Baker. Yes. yes. All, all-time king character actor. Essentially, though, Costco is the real villain along with Whitaker and Pushkin is fine. Yeah, so Costco, he pulled a double cross that mm-hmm. he he made MI6 in London think that he was defecting, but he wasn't. Uh, he was basically he was uh, doing arms trading on the side to uh, Joe Don Baker and so but he wanted to make it look like he wanted to get uh, was it Pushkin? Pushkin. Pushkin. He wanted him killed and so this was a good way to do that because he he said oh they're bringing back the 
let's kill all spies program yeah and it's and it's pushkin we should and add that pushkin is played by the great john reese davies yes gimli so and uh I, what's his character in indiana jones sala uh, sala yeah yeah so look no, nothing but love for sala and gimli my man does not have a great accent in this movie. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it, do you it, expect? It, I don't even expect them to be good Russian accents in like the Cold War era. Like they're almost always really bad. No, but at the same time, you pick a guy who is like one of the thickest, like proper English accents, and it goes in and out. Like I, <laughs> I feel like that's on the the casting director more than than my boy Sala. Fun fact about Pushkin, uh, it still doesn't make sense to me, but when my son was like three years old, we started the Elf on the Shelf thing, and you get to name you get to name your elf, and he got to name his elf, and he named his elf Pushkin. Hmm. Huh. Which so is, your son is a Russian spy. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, Kara contacts Costco and finds out that Bond is a spy and works with him, so she poisons him. Unfortunately, she learns that was... Bond is actually a good guy. Costco's a bad guy. So off Car and Bond go. They're captured, to, uh, sent to, Af- you know, they go to Afghanistan. They're imprisoned by Costco. They escape, and Bond helps out a prisoner who ends up being Kamran Shah, leader of a local Afghani guerrilla group. They go to an airfield to stop this cargo ship full of heroin. A battle takes place. Uh, Bond and Kara hijack a plane, but Necros, who we haven't talked about, is the number two guy villain, who is actually fantastic. He's on board. They have a battle in the cargo hold from the back of the plane, which is actually awesome. Bond kills Necros, then drops a bomb on Costco's forces, crashes the plane, destroying the drugs. Later on, Bond kills Whitaker in his gun playroom and uh, by having a statue fall on him. And Costco is captured by Pushkin. Bond and Kara are together. The end. I know I'm like going over that. I guess that's not fast. One, it seems fast. One detail that is not integral to the plot, but I really love how at the end uh, you have a kind of get the gang back together moment at the, the yeah. symphony. And you have like all of MI6, you have some KGB guys, and then the Muhadin fighters come Kamen out. Shah, yeah, and the fighters. Yeah. Armed. <laughs> just. <laughs> Just dirty and wearing like the uh, tatters, and they have. <laughs> it, it, it's like the end of Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he's walking around giving candy to everyone he met in the movie at the drive-in. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. you. You essentially had a casting. You are a, a bow. Everyone came out to take a bow, and just and my favorite part is when all this ragtag literal group of rebels runs in. They're like, no, no, it's okay. It's good. The performer who played Cameron Shaw is oh, yes. Art, Art Malik. I don't know if it's his professional name is not his real name, but it's Art Malik. Uh, we, as James Cameron heads, I feel compelled to mention mm, that he's good. the plays the villain in True Lies. Oh, so I guess I didn't make that connection. Thank you, Joe. But uh, the whole movie, I was like, God, he looks familiar. And he's yeah. been in other very notable films too, and he's very, very, very he, charming. He, and I was great gonna say this film, very and, like, uh, very likable guy. And the, yeah, then he, yeah, he was the, uh, the bad, the villain in, in True Lies. You know, we we'll get into the Timothy Dalton casting, but it sounds like, I mean, Joe, it seems like you're you're wild about this movie, and I I liked it quite a bit as well. I, yeah, I would, um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's weird, and we'll I'm sure we'll dive into this. This is a movie that like, so if you talk to people who really like Bond. They don't like Timothy Dalton. He's well, you know that they're, they're they're like he's too dark, all this stuff, which I think is absurd. Um, but we'll 
dig I, into this. I purposely have not read anything about these, like the sort of the general consensus about any of these actors beforehand. And then when mm-hmm. I read that, people thought he was too dark. I found that very strange. It's. I, mean, I, I think that might be because we have since seen Daniel Craig's performance, and he's so much darker than Timothy yeah, Dalton. Yeah, so, exactly. So maybe if, maybe if we hadn't seen any Daniel Craig movies, it would it be we would have a different opinion. Maybe was, if we had watched Roger Bohr walk around for seven movies, we'd be like, this is way too dark. He, this guy's too cool. He was definitely darker. And yeah, like Joe said, up in 1987, this was a very, pretty dark Bond. Uh, it's not yeah, really, this, but I, it's not that no, dark. No, I agree. It's not dark. <laughs> I don't but, get it. But by His standard, hair is dark. By standards, <laughs> by standards of the day. Like, it seems weird now. I mean... Guys, in like a post nine eleven gritty reboot world, like of course this looks uh, silly to say that you know this is a dark character. But by eighties action standards, this is I pretty even, dark. I think it is maybe by like Bond movies up to this point, but I don't even think it's dark by eighties action standards. It's, by nineteen eighty seven, like action movies had gotten pretty violent, yeah, pretty vulgar. And, and how is this dark compared to? Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which has him, his wife murdered. Shot in the head. <laughs> the True. day of their wedding day. I think a lot of it is just the look of Timothy Dalton. Because yeah. he has, you know, he has kind of a weird, sinister look in a way. But he's still handsome and dashing. And I think, yeah. did wasn't, people really liked Roger Moore for some reason too, right? Yeah, they're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> So he he was filling he was filling really big shoes. Whereas Roger Moore had the benefit he didn't have to worry about that. He just is finished. Uh, he was filling George's shoes, who had only been in one movie. George did all the work it. of of getting people to forget about Sean Connery. You're right. He's like uh, Lazenby was like the the chaser. You know, he cleans your palate, and then and then uh, you know Moore comes in there, and everyone's like, oh, this is so good. And your dad's racquetball friend comes in and plays James Bond. <laughs> <Your> dad's racquetball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this we your got dad's racquetball Dal- friend is more athletic, though. True. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have uh, this is one of two Timothy Dalton movies. This is his first one. Uh, I want to talk about uh, before we get into the the rating for Timothy Dalton. I want to talk about uh, two other people, three that were considered for this role. Um. One, I'm you sure you've this heard. Is, this is your lane here. This is what you love. Uh, one you've heard here. I uh, hope it's Mr. Bean. It's <laughs> Rowan, At- Rowan Atkinson. Atkinson. <laughs> um, uh, Pierce Brosnan was originally, this was his role, okay? And this is fascinating to me. So he was in Remington Steel at the time. And Remington Steel had uh, become unpopular. The ratings were going, were lowering. lowering. They canceled the show. Brosnan is cast as Bond for this movie. But now news gets out about this and all of a sudden all this interest in Remington Steel goes way up because we're like, oh, it's got Bond in it. What? And so it was within 60 days of when they canceled it. So according to the contract, NBC could be like, no, no, actually we're not going to cancel it. So NBC was like, no, 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 we're not going to cancel it. And then uh, old Cubby uh, <laughs> Broccoli is like, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to have like our bond be on TV as like a as like another guy that's similar like we can't do that so he drops Brosnan oh my god that's so funny it gets even better then 
interest in Remington Steel as soon as that comes out that you no, know, he's not Bond drops. They only filmed five more episodes and canceled it. Oh, I feel oh. bad for. I mean, I you don't feel bad for Pierce because it all worked out, but yeah, he must have but, been gutted. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, screwed over. So and and, and much. Yeah. none of it is his fault. None of it. It's not like he was like bit. scheming or anything. Nope. The, oh, man. the po- the weird politics of the Bond productions, it's kinda like George Steinbrenner. Just like all these weird mm-hmm. like rules and un and unsaid things like, Oh, we don't not we don't want no T V actor. I don't blame yeah. I don't blame him though. No, like, I agree. You can't have him be like a star of a TV show. It's like a you know For that era, yeah, like there was T V stars and there were movie stars and you had you know, very rare like it was very rare that you had like a Michael J. Fox who could do both. Um, so the other guy who was considered, and I think everyone liked him except Brock Holy, is a, a Joe favorite, I believe, Sam Neill. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, I've, he would have like knocked Sam it I, out of the park. Uh, I don't know. I don't see him doing action. I mean, I know he's done action, but I don't see it. Did and you then, see him climb down that tree in Jurassic Park? He, he fought dinosaurs. Over, look, he man, climbed if that's, over a fence and then back around. If that's the standard, we can just get Roger Moore back to climb <laughs> something. Yeah, so Roger Moore would have been 59 when this movie filmed, which is why they were like, okay, uh, let's move on from Roger Moore. Uh, Mel Gibson was also suggested, um, but they quickly dismissed that. Um, no. Thank God. Uh, so, Yeah. And then, obviously, Timothy Dalton had been offering this job a couple times before. I think like we mentioned. Like 15 years, twenty, almost 20 years earlier. Like, yeah. Didn't they want him for the for the, Honor Majesty? Yes, and he was like, I think I'm too young, because he was in his, like, he was and like he, what, 27? And he's right. He would have been, like, 22 or something oh, like wow. that. Oh, wow. That's crazy. He would have been, like, mid to early 20s. I don't remember exactly when he was born. But, yeah, I mean, the whole thing about Bond is Bond's supposed to be, like, a he's a veteran. He's mm-hmm. And he's grizzled. And, and it, um, Dalton tried to kind of bring his version of this bond closer to the books where you kind of have a guy who, you know, kind of lives life in a fast lane, partly because like, you know, he's got this cr- stressful career to some extent. So, um, he's, he's seen how the world works and he's to suppress it with booze and women. Yes. And that's what I found fascinating. I find that interesting because compared to the other ones, he doesn't really do too much booze in or, or sex in. Well, I think part of that is this is a post-AIDS bond. Yeah. Like, for real. I mean, this is 1987. I think it's, um, I think this is, this is, this is AIDS epidemic bond. So the last movie we talked about, um, was... Was 1977. There's, there's a lot of, uh, cultural attitudes that change in 10 years there. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's not, even then, what, it's not, it's not really cool anymore even in 1987 for bond just for every woman he meets to have sex with them yeah yeah and i think that's partly another reason people don't like maybe that's why they think it's dark i don't know (laughs) i it's i don't get the dark thing and maybe the second movie is like super dark that dalton's in and and that would change my view Um, i haven't seen it but license to kill is a bomb ass title it is um so I, I don't know, Joe. Do you think we should jump into the our our rating here for Timothy Dalton? I, I, I think I I do, but I think we should talk about one more side character that I don't think we've mentioned at all. Okay, um, mm-hmm. and, and 
he that is I'm looking up his I can't remember his name. He was just the blonde guy. Necros. Um, Necros, yeah. He was he was related to that dude from Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. There's listen, being blonde and European in the eighties, you are going to be a villain in some movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he is Koskov's henchman, and he uh, likes to... So his method of death dealing is he turns up his music on his Walkman, mm-hmm. and then he strangles you with his headphone cords. He also has milk that he throws yeah. and blows up. Uh, that's that. That's the really cool part. So he poses as a milkman <laughs> to kidnap... To Well, we it seems like kidnap Koskov, but he's actually just... Yeah, they're, part of the plan. They're doing a an infiltration retraction, I guess. So mm-hmm. when he he poses a, he kills a milkman and 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 uses his uh cost, you know, his truck and everything to get into this estate and then he has milk bombs. So he brings in the the little carrying case thing of milk and the bottles of milk are bombs and that's awesome. Yep. And he also kills someone with a door later on. <laughs> an automatic door. That's right. Uh, so like a like like an electronic like an electric sliding door. He yes. messes with the circuitry and makes it so you can flip something so it closes really fast. And it's implied, I think, that he cuts the guy's head off with it. But yeah, you never yeah. see it. That, yeah, I'd say underrated Bond henchman, a bad guy henchman guy. He is, well, he, he in terms of his intimi- methods of of killing, pretty great. He has a so, good intimidating presence. So this is this is my I Joe I'm with you. I really love this movie. I really like this movie a lot. The things that keep me from loving it is um Kara, who's Mariam Diabo oh, she as is, a, she is terrible. She's even, just yeah, there. Even yeah, not, not a great performance. And even by standards of this franchise, which are not places where women get to shine, she's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Pretty bad. And then and then from a villain standpoint, because we sort of have this constantly you know, changing when you're watching who the villain is. You hear about Pushkin, Costco's a good guy, and then you meet like Brad. There's sort of like lacking of a great villain, which is like why I think Necros gets um, ignored because he is an awesome henchman, but like there's just not a great number one. I was very disappointed in how little Joe Don Baker time we have. I thought mm-hmm. he, I thought he was going to be because he's a you know he's a mercenary. He just he sells to whoever pays the highest dollar amount playing with his guns in his little battlefields yeah, yeah he's a little miniature battle like battlefields and he's so i agree with you duff like he's not in it enough and and rather than having two villains having two villains is a problem or two mm-hmm. mastermind guys it's the the batman curse that said that ending scene when bond closes out the movie taking care of whitaker yes that's that scene is awesome it that's, is it's just it's it's not earned in that Whitaker isn't really like, you know, like Whitaker's not like an evil bad guy to us at that point. He's just been in like two other scenes, once yeah. at a pool. You know, those are like big Bond things I feel like this movie kind of misses on. The, yeah. The Bond yeah. girl and the, the villains are great actors. It's just like. Oh, you know. uh, I also want to comment on something that's a Bond staple. Uh, I know he was still in Bond movies for an amazing 12 more years, but Q. Like, come Don't on. you say bad things about Q. Uh, Q in his ghetto on. blaster. Q, uh, in the okay. ghetto of, oh my God. So, so yeah. So I was watching that. I was like, should I be offended by this? I think I should. But it Q, is funny. Every, I'm laughing like, at it, though, not with it. 
I think they were starting to realize that a lot of the Bond hallmarks were not aging super well, but they still trotted out Q, who to me just seems sorely out of place. And then he has a number of gadgets, some some of which are cool. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, yeah, Joe mentioned the Ghetto Blaster, which is, uh, number one, if you're a spy and trying to be inconspicuous, not a great idea to have a boombox on your shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) What what if you're trying to... uh, infiltrate like uh, break uh dancing competition. yeah yeah there you uh, go and then the other thing that has no payoff is uh the the couch where you just fall into oh my god but it, we do see someone <laughs> fall into that couch which is hilarious <laughs> just uh, like is is just the idea that you trap someone because <laughs> like it's just a couch there and someone like one of his lab aides sits down like oh Oh no! <laughs> I have I have a fun fact about the Ghetto Blaster for you guys. Okay. All right. So when they were filming The Living Daylights, none uh, none other than Prince Charles was touring the set, and it's the scene where they're filming the Ghetto Blaster. So Prince Charles was allowed to press the button that set off the effect that is seen. Come on! Oh my God! <laughs> Come on! Why was that not on the crown? <laughs> Netflix. What is wrong with you? Why was that not included in the uh, latest season? <laughs> so okay, um, it seems like it seems like overall we all like this movie. Oh yeah, I, it, I had a lot of fun. It uh, it was a lot of fun, and mainly I think it's because I didn't. I mean, there were the Bond hallmarks, but it was one of the first ones where I didn't really, I didn't see all the tropes because they mm-hmm. hadn't infiltrated pop culture and cartoons and whatnot. He actually does spy things in this movie. All right, that's a good segue. And I thought I I thought that the whole sequence in Afghanistan was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed the final act of this movie. It has um and we'll get to when we talk about like action films, but it does certainly have at least when I was watching I was like, mm, this has some like um Raiders of the Lost Ark influence it feels like on some of that." Yeah. Oh yeah. Um Okay, so let's get into the Bond rating. Joe, yeah, that, we've that got That makes me we didn't even like talk about all the incredible things he does on the plane. All right, well, we could do it while we're doing the rating. Yeah, for sure. So we got Timothy Dalton. We got his Bond rating. This is bloodshed, allure, humor, nerve, deception. And before we jump into this, I have a process question I have for you guys. All right. Mm -hmm. While you're watching this movie, now that we know, when you watch these Bond movies, now that we have Joe's patented Bond rating here, (laughs) are you thinking about the numbers when you're watching it, or do you just sort of think about it now? You let the movie kind of go over you, and then you, you, you know, when we're grading, you think about it. I just I let, let it wash. Just, yeah, I let it wash. Okay, me. same here, same here. I just didn't know I, if that was. I didn't know if I was doing it wrong. That's you know. I want to make sure we're doing the scientific. There's no no right no. or wrong way to do it. I'm I'm perfectly objective. <laughs> okay, <laughs> perfectly. All right, Joe. Why don't you get us started here with? Let's, uh, yeah, let's start with bloodshed. And this is, I think, where we could just general capacity for violence. And I I thought he was the best. I think I gave him a perfect five. I wow! Think, uh, really? I think he's he's he shows his fight scenes are f- fairly convincing, okay, but I again he's also gets the benefit of being compared to some guys who are not very athletic. <laughs> uh, but it, his just his feats on the plane alone at the at in Afghanistan, I think, uh, merit a five. He fights. Uh, God, I keep forgetting his name. Necros. Necros. He fights Necros while hanging out of the back of a plane. An uh, awesome a, scene. Attached to a, a, a cargo net. 
mm-hmm. and it manages to fight him. Then he, then he flies the plane in such a way, uh, he, he's able to teach his lady friend. Just his sheer presence gives her the the skill to fly a huge plane. Well, that's not bloodshed. Cargo I would argue. Well, it, it's in the service of bloodshed. <laughs> okay. Okay. And he okay. drops that bomb perfectly on the bridge to save his Mujahideen friends. Better I, than a drone. His okay, and then we didn't also didn't mention this. This was the first drone, an analog <laughs> analog drone. We we see him his the when the action really kicks off, not including the cold open. The first time we see him is he's being uh, another agent what needs him as a sniper, and he's so good as a sniper. He's he's he'd already spotted how hot. Um, Kara is, mm-hmm. and he, so he already has a crush on her. Realizes like, well, I don't want to shoot her. Yeah, not that cello so, girl. So he's so good, he just shoots the like the the action out of her gun. He, he shoots the gun out of her hand. I mean, mm. I I don't I, I think what what more do you want? Uh, here's what I want. He doesn't really kill that many people. The actual ability to deal death isn't I, I very say, high on him. Well, its capacity for violence is included in that as well. Because, but you're you're talking me a higher on a score here because, you know, he's kind of kills people when there's no other choice, right? Like at the beginning when he's on the when the Land Rover becomes the Air Rover and then essentially becomes a water rover, <laughs> um, he like you know kills that guy simply because he escapes and the other guy doesn't. Um, the only other kill I can think he gets is when he's fighting Necros and it's sort of like, well, you're trying to pull me down, dude. I'm going to take my shoe off. It's a killing of necessity. He's a killing of necessity. Yeah. So he can't be a five in my mind because he's, you know, but, but you bring up. spies aren't supposed to be messy. Well, I mean, he is very skilled. He's very good shot. They make comments about that, about how good of a shot he is, which I don't remember that being a case really, um, with Roger Moore for sure. Um, and God, you know, I was originally coming into this show with like a two, just because he doesn't what? really, because he doesn't really like, you know, his death kills pretty small, but he is well skilled, and he does seem to only kill out of necessity, and he is much more athletic than the other ones we've seen, except maybe Lazenby. Um, I'm thinking a three, but I want to hear what Duff has. Uh, okay, I'm going with a four. Uh. I could probably be talked into a five, but I'm going with four. Um, I think the only reason I'm not going higher is just, uh, like you said, there's there's not a, a large number of deaths. Um, but honestly, he may be the first Bond where I believe it when he's in physical fights. Even with Connery, it's kind of... I don't... I know Connery kind of gets... Uh, deified as like an action star, but he's not really like an action guy. Like no. he's he's a tough guy, but like, and I think I read that uh, Dalton did a lot of his own stunts. He did. I was gonna say that's part of it. He does some of his yeah. own stunts. Yeah. And you know the bars, like like we said, the bars pretty low coming off pops there, just kind of pl- <laughs> plant planting his feet and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going a, a strong four. Uh, 4.5. We'll so, that's fair. I may be being too generous, but I, I think a four is a good score. Let's go to Allure, and this is where this was the one I was concerned we might have the most disagreement on. Well, here's the one thing I'll say. It was so nice to see a movie where I thought Bond was cool again. 
Mm-hmm. Like after you know, uh, on our Patreon we talk about Moonraker as well, and so we watched. I watched two Roger Moore movies, and you know, it's too, he's too not. Many. <laughs> he's not cool. He's not cool. No. And Timothy Dalton's on the screen, and I'm instantly like, this is a cool guy. Here's a difference I was thinking, and I know this is a lame one, but part of what makes Bond cool in my mind is that he's like, you know. And Lazenby in, it was an example of this too, where like he can he can pick up things really quick. He knows a lot about the world. He's a worldly, he's a worldly gentleman, yeah. who's a super spy, skilled killer. He's smart. Yeah. So like here's a here's the thing. Let's say someone was like, hey, Roger Moore is Bond. Um, you want to go over? He's got a set of vinyl records, or do you want to go look what they are? I'd be like, no, no, I have no interest. But yeah. Timothy Dalton as Bond. Yeah, I want to go see do some interesting stuff. I'm going to probably be like, what's this? And you can tell me about a cool band I didn't know about or some <laughs> like artist that was really awesome. He's super cool. Yeah, it, it, this one, he he isn't like smirking and, and cracking jokes as much as like Sean Connery's is, but he still shows he's got it, got that in him. Like in the cold open when he lands on that yacht and the yes. lady's calling and he's calling for rescue. And she invites him to stay. He's like, and he changes. Like, oh, maybe pick me up in two hours. Like, yep. yeah. Th- this this Bond still, he'll still have a good time. Yeah, and and that's like I guess what's holding him back, right? Like I said, I think I honestly think part of it is because this is AIDS, uh, AIDS Bond. Um, you know, we only see you know you can assume the yacht lady, and then you can assume obviously Kara at the end. Um, that's it. There's no other like women that he's wooing versus like you know what we've seen with. Um, Especially Roger Moore and Sean Connery, which they're just like, well, even George Lazenby, where all those women are like all into yeah. him and his kilt. Yeah. I think I go with a five. Wow. I think you gave him a higher score than Sean Connery. You, you for know what? I, allure. Uh, and, and some of this is, you know, and this is where you got to be objective about it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not take, you know, I mean, the, the common consensus is that Connery is the best because he's first and blah, blah, blah. i I think I liked him more than Connery. Okay. I'm going to go with a three on Allure, um, mostly because the the bond that we see doesn't, you know, especially compared to the other bonds, isn't exactly like, you know, women are, like, listen, he's not going to, he's not going to have sex with someone and have them change over to the other side and, you How know. you know? Well, we, don't, we haven't seen that. It's something we've he, seen from he him. He stole Koskov's girlfriend true that's true but really that's true okay but listen coast cove is not a great catch she could have done better before that yeah she kind of settled with coast cove yeah yeah she settled and then bond came he's in a, and, he's a soviet general yeah but you know th- those are a dime a dozen back in Cold <laughs> war oh my god also, also <laughs> and, and he bought her a, a stradivarius that is pretty cool. Like, if you're a musician, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, okay. What do you have, Joe? He also goes on to frame uh, Richard Kimball in The Fugitive, so. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He, uh, uh, Timothy Dalton's a straight hunk. He's a five. Uh, Man, I, I you know, I really like Dalton. It's I... not his fault that this was made by a bunch of Puritans, <laughs> and he, he didn't get to, get to flex, you know? In the limited opportunities he has, women clearly find him irresistible. All right. I'm going to move to a four because I do think there's a romantic element to him, like on the Ferris wheel and stuff like that, which 
is, you know, maybe Puritan, but it's also a little sweeter, I think. Yeah. I guess this is the dark bond, but uh, he seems like, you know, more of a romantic. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I'd, this is probably a hot take. I th- up to this point, he's the best looking bond. He's better looking than Sean Connery, in my opinion. More handsome. Sorry. He is. Uh, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, well, okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion because Sean Connery is regarded as, and it was a hunk in his prime. But I, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll talk about hunks anytime anyone wants. I to. mean, I, Dalton was a big, he was a big '80s hunk. Hey, why? Okay, I have a question. Um, outside of um, Hot Fuzz, I don't really know Timothy Dalton, and if I feel like, am I missing something? He's pretty great in Penny Dreadful. Every scene he's in, he it is an all-you-can-eat buffet of scenery. I've also seen he he's in um I think it was a BBC adaptation of Jane Eyre and he's quite entertaining in that as well. Okay. And that would have been 80s cuz like what what was happening in the 70s and and you know that they're like we got to get this guy. This has to be our bond. I think he was very famous. I think he was more famous in uh England first. Okay. Um and I'd be remiss and I'm disappointed at both of you for not bringing up The Rocketeer. I haven't seen it, but I will I will watch it soon. Yeah, I, I saw it when it came out, and I don't remember it at all. So, But I, I'm sure – I mean, I've never seen him in anything and not thought he was fantastic, so I'm sure I'll be very entertained by it. Okay, so let's get to let's get to humor. This is a tough one, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think he does the best he can with the script he has. I guess I'll say without giving away my rating. Rob, I'm you, gonna, why don't you start? Because, yeah, I don't think you've started yet. I'm going to go right in the middle of a three. Um he doesn't have any like, inc- like this is this is like this is where Sean Connery like continues to shine, shine and be the best of the Bonds. Um, there is something about like what I kind of enjoyed about the Living Daylights is Bond. I'm not going to say dark, but he's a serious human being that's living in a very unserious world, and so I feel like he has these lines that he says that are like jokes, but they're kind of like the he's a he's kind of a serious person that's just kind of commenting on it in a very like a kind of like as an aside like they're not jokes for people who he's telling to laugh at i don't know it's very strange he's very very dry yeah and that's and and, i mean that's saying something when it's they're british you know it's even more dry but yeah he just doesn't get i like i like i said my my i I, i'm probably a three but I, this is another one where I think if he want, if he needed to be, he could be funnier. But I don't really think he's given that many opportunities here. Yeah, I, I'd go three as well, just down the middle. Yeah, he sort of—it's more like a cocky and sophisticated comments versus like jokes mm-hmm. to some extent. Yeah, that's that's fair. He he does, and this this I don't count, but he does execute some funny like schemes to get out of things to get uh, his lady friend out of they're still in Vienna I think yeah he uh, he has her set up her cello case in the phone booth and puts a wig <laughs> yeah. and a hat how, on top of it how did that how did it get I don't I don't understand what happened in that scene because I watched that thing walk into the in, into the phone booth well she runs it, she runs out of it when the when the tram goes by oh it I mean, was, I was tricked. it was a very quick uh, ruse there like yes. they, they said she got her coat and hat off, set it up on the cello, got into the car by the time that bus went by. 
he but, also has some funny stuff with Koskov at the beginning when they're, he's like, how many times have you uh, tested this when they're going to send him through the pipeline? He's like, oh, you're the first. And then he shuts yeah. the door right away. It's pretty funny. Yeah. If anyone yeah. gave him a four, I, I would think he deserves that too. I just, I don't want to be too much of a, a fanboy here. I, I think he's he's perfectly adequate in this movie. Just a three. Okay. All right. How about nerve? Just staying cool under pressure. Duff, did you did you do humor already? Did I miss that? Yeah, he did a three as well. I, I, I oh. put a three. Okay, I'm sorry. I put I, he's a st- straight five for nerve. The stuff he does in this movie, he never panics. I think the best, my best argument for it is when he finally dispatches, uh, uh, finally dispatches. God, I forgot his name again. Necros. Necros. God, I'm so dumb. Finally dispatches Necros. Then he walks back into the into the 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 uh, cockpit and he realizes that she's flying straight towards a mountain <laughs> yeah he's like oh and he just jumps in the chair and gets out of it it's like this guy can't get rattled love it this that's my out of all all five of the things this is my favorite thing with him it's just like the guy cannot get rattled i will give him uh once again a strong four the only thing the only demerit for me is even though it turns out to be uh, the right decision that he doesn't know at the time he gets gets a little rattled when he sees that lady assassin if, if you're mi6 you can't get rattled by that lady mm. Mm. spoken like someone who must have never been in love so was he <laughs> rattled or did he so here's two ways to read it was he rattled or was it him putting pieces together that she was like was he starting to put pieces together on the story about Give, her and in Costco all all respect to my man Dalton but he he does not have any information that would have led him to think that, oh, she's actually the general's girlfriend and she's going to fire, what is it, like, hollow or blanks? Uh, yeah. yeah. He, okay. I, I think I think he got uh, doesn't want to kill a lady. I'm going to go I'm going to go with a four because there's a moment here in this movie. It's the only like real demerit I have on on Timothy Dalton as Bond in here. It's when he, he, I feel he does Pushkin's lady pretty dirty when he strips her clothes off for when they open the door. (laughs) It worked. Well, (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to, he gets it. He loses a point for that. Wow. I I don't even know who you are because that's when we get to see side boob. (laughs) Well, I know, but it it, it was, it was uh, side boob without consent. Mm, Fair. So. So I'm, I'm 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 giving him a demerit on that. Otherwise, um, the, yeah, the, enti- the of- entire net sequence at the end is yeah, that's great. The net he you know they are chased through snow and they decide to use you know everything with it on the car on the ice the the cello thing. I mean that's all especially the cello thing. Like that's not something that Q gave them. Like that's just him being like. We got to use the cello Q, case. Q made him a ghetto blaster and all this stuff, and he ends up using this lady's cello. Cold Open's a great example, too, because he thinks he's just out there in a training exercise, and he has to yeah. flip that switch immediately. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going with a four still. Okay. Now, Deception, just overall spycraft. I mean, he fools Kara into thinking that he's a friend of Costco for about three quarters of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in, in multiple uh, countries. Yes, so that's that's pretty good. Um, he, he, 
He figures out the a... whole scheme before his, his agent friend does. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, and there's a lot of that with that agent friend where he's just like kind of um, put off by like him not, you know, realizing that double sevens here, man. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Listen to him. Um, I think he's a. I think he's a five in deception. I agree. Wow. So I maybe I'm gonna make some enemies here. I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a three. And okay. here's Woo! here's here's why. Uh, I we don't really see him take on any alternate identities. That's a good point. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And I, I, and okay. number two, are you really a good spy if the head of the KGB knows you're the best by name? Well, I, we could apply that same scrutiny to every other bond leading up to this too. Yeah. That, and that's that actually what hold. I was thinking about with this. Like, are we to the point now where we're just supposed to assume James Bond is world famous? Because Sean Connery just tells the bad guys his name is James Bond. Well, I think you know? I gave and Connery a similar. No, no, lore. I don't. I know you gave him a two. Yeah, and it just it just seems like most of uh, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service he can go undercover. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. but Roger Moore, I no one knew who ever, he was. Roger Moore, I don't think ever really. He pretended to be a. Marine biologist. Marine biologist yeah, for I guess. Three minutes. Yeah. With a guy who lives under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so, I'm just saying, if your job is to be a spy and the head of the KGB and one of your officers knows that you need to get James Bond, like I've like if you're running, you know, if you're running the CIA, like, look, man, you're useless. Everyone knows who you are. So so that one doesn't fit with me. That one doesn't bother me, Duff, but the fact that he did not take on other identities does. I'm going to a four now. Oh, but, but when was Calm he down, when Joe. He, when was he supposed to? Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not but, the one who's supposed to come up with the brilliant ideas. But like when I, I'm, I'm saying, I'm putting your just addressing the story as it is laid before you. Mm-hmm. you I, I, in my opinion, you can only hold it against him if he could have better handled one of these scenarios in disguise. So I'm Me- asking both of you, when should he have? been undercover and in disguise when he uh faced off with whitaker towards he, the end he could have uh gotten some brown face for afghanistan oh my oh god my god that was in vogue in the 80s movies <laughs> Jesus. i mean i guess <laughs> i mean he's still like like listen dalton's doing very well in the bond rating here yeah all right i i, I mean i'll agree i'm also disappointed that there's no disguise or undercover stuff because that, that's so fun. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and I, and I mean this, I'm asking this as sort of a meta question. Like, is are we meant to assume that Bond should even be able to do things like that? Because in so many of the movies we've watched, he's just like famous by James Bond, who I mean, like, who I like op- hotel people recognize when he walks in as James Bond. You know, like is I've he never, supposed to be a celebrity? I've Not a celebrity, th- but in that world, is well, in that back? world, he is for sure because in in um in uh like this in the spy who who loved me, he is interacting with the Russian the rush the lead head of the Russian KGB who shows up at the end and actually in this movie arrests um Koskov. So like he's known, he's worked with them. These are his, you know, this is like people you see at your conferences at so work. So then why are you holding it against him that he knows James Bond is the best? I'm not. I mean, Duff is. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I see, I don't subscribe to that. I think that James Bond turns heads because he's cool and dashing and good looking. I, I don't subscribe to the theory that he's, a, you know, a known name. I think it's just he walks into a room and catches everyone's eye. But they don't know his name from 
anyone else until he introduces himself. And that's how it's usually played in the new newest new, newest ones, for sure. It just seems like that isn't consistently applied in the old ones. But I mean, the, let's be honest. There are some things that aren't very consistent. So. No, yeah, I, I'm not saying. I, I'm not even saying that we should expect consistency. I don't care about. I've that just, at all. I've just always gone by that. I, I've never thought that he was like a world famous person. Okay. I just, just that he was like, you know, he, he's just his aura. Just everyone notices and flocks to him which by the way maybe also isn't the best thing for a super secret spy but that's maybe neither here nor there at this point yeah and i don't i've never think he's like world famous just for the average average joe but just like maybe he'd be known in spy circles but yeah i don't know all right well we're done so so what yeah what do we what do we have here for i guess it he's, seems he's like gonna be pretty high well. i bet he's yeah. gonna be. uh it's definitely the highest average for the three of us. Uh, Rob was lowest with 18 out of 25 possible. That ties him for first with Sean Connery. On mine. Okay, that makes sense from what I feel. And then Duff, 19 out of 25. That he means he captures the lead from uh, Lazenby. Lazenby. <laughs> so he's, uh, your previous high was 17. And then for me, 23. Wow. 25. I, I loved him. 23 out of 25. There's not much room for improvement, Joe. No, there isn't. I, but I, I really think I, I really think he was by far the best one we've seen so far. And my previous high was 16. For, also for, me, for me, he's the most, from what we've seen thus far, he's the most believable for what we're told this character is. Yeah. So um, before we get into like the theme music and stuff, I, I want to kind of like segue into thing about this. And do you think part of the reason um, we like him so much more is because this movie came out in the 80s? And that uh, since we talked about The Spy Who Loved Me, which is 1977, the the um, cinema of action films has changed a ton, right? So since, yeah. you know, in the, in the 80s alone, you've got Escape from New York, Raiders, 48 Hours, Scarface, Terminator, which is huge, Commando, Aliens. Well, and, and the big boys, Rocky and Rambo. And, Rambo Part 2. And part of, I think James Bond was partly ahead of the curve because the 80s was the action decade of just... Uh, muscle-bound hunks yeah. performing super heroic feats. It's the steroid era of action movies. Yeah. Like, and yeah. The, like 10 years before the steroid era of baseball. And yeah, yeah. Well, even, you know, even what's interesting to think about is 1987, which I think is a fascinating year in movies. But um, this came out in the summer. This is a summer movie, The Living Daylights. With this, with Three this, other... It's got to be Die Hard era, right? Die Hard was 88. Okay. Yeah. But three other movies that came out that summer, um, Predator, Robocop, and Lethal Weapon and are all 1987. Why, that's why I would push back on that argument a little bit that part of what we're liking about this is it's just better crafted. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it is, but I think it's still way behind all of the action movies of similar or even significantly lesser budgets of this era. Like as an 80s action movie, like this movie's pretty bad, I think. Um it's there are some action sequences that I'd, I'd say are very good, but a lot of them compared to many of the movies you just mentioned, it's like, oh, boy, this it's way behind in terms of direction and the stunts and but and all that. Even outside of that, though, I, I guess I just mean like the I don't think it's a great s- leap forward that uh, from uh, the from the spy who loved me that that I expected for me, part of what the reason why this movie is like solidly enjoyable but not amazing or anything is because it's 
it's the same dudes doing the same thing except they got lucky with timothy dalton yeah um it's you know some of the sequences are pretty fun pretty good but none of them are original like they kind of all remind me of something else like the entire last act of this movie i'm like oh this is good but raiders did it better Mm -hmm. um and even some of the ski stuff i'm like oh this is good but even like uh honor majesty's secret service had better ski stunts yeah (laughs) one thing i was gonna say about uh the music in this is you still have uh john barry doing the music and just put that dude out to pasture well this was his last movie i know he's doing the they're they're like they gave him a synthesizer to try to bring him back to life and yeah and a drum machine yeah i like the music i I didn't i didn't hate it but it just it's it's a little embarrassing for him like it didn't doesn't quite work (laughs) i think after the dalton era the bond movies become more of a director crew for hire type situation whereas before it was like oh let's just have this dude do it again it was like a family business <laughs> yeah it seemed like a lot they just kept people around for a long time which is i mean kind of cool i mean mm-hmm. it's it's fine but it doesn't it usually doesn't result in groundbreaking stuff no yeah that's true um okay oh well, i mean i just think i guess what i was looking at more was do you and you guys kind of answered it is is both of just the language of action films and movies, but also like, is there something about this version of Bond that other people say is dark when it came out, but for us growing up on 80s action movies doesn't seem dark? Is it just something that we just intrinsically like more about it? Th- that could be true. Like, I, I it, it is significantly less dark than most action movies from this time period. So that, yeah. that, I think that is definitely part of why we did. But I, re- I still even take setting that aside... It's really not that much darker. No, than, than I, the I, I agree. I, well, I mean, it's yeah, I guess there's still tons of silly things that happen in this movie. He cuts a car in half with a laser. There's a couch where people disappear <laughs> and a ghetto blaster. Yeah, and mean, like there's 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 let's not forget about the wonderful BB dub that we have. <laughs> yeah. Who, who do during the tube escape sequence is able is yeah. able to um Motorboat you know distract there. that guy yeah um we have when they're going over those kgb the other kgb assassins they're so absurd the, I can't the main remember. villain just loves to play with toys <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it is still oh, like and a, silly uh they have a ruse where there's probably what's a baboon's heart in a cooler <laughs> oh my to god hide so, diamonds yes. to hide diamonds the diamonds yeah. oh my god yeah which like um i was telling duff about this offline but like i this sort of like silliness of bond movies is growing on me a lot and i'm yeah. enjoying it me too quite a bit there's um i there's some things i like more than others i do like where they'll just be it's not so much the corny one-liners it's i enjoy that all of a sudden it's like oh there's a cooler with a heart in it but it's not a human heart i enjoy <laughs> yes. stuff like that um Speaking of things that I enjoyed, the theme song is called <laughs> The Living Daylights by a band that I know Joe and I, you and I are big fans. Oh, well, we, lo- uh-huh. we love to show off our range by singing, uh, singing Take On Me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Duff, what do you have about this song? Uh, about the song itself, not a ton, but I wanted to talk about Aha. Were they okay, still a I... big deal by the time? Like, when did Take On Me come out? So... Uh, Take on me. I didn't get the year, but it was like 80, 85. 85. So because they're kind of regarded the, as a one-hit wonder. So I was wondering, like, are so, they still a huge band at this point? So this is the really interesting thing about Aha, is except in America, they were a huge deal. Okay. okay. 
Okay. How many guys? How many albums do you think Aha has sold? Oh, sold like worldwide? Yeah. I don't even know. I, I, well, you sort of you sort of made me think it's bigger. So I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say twenty million. Over a hundred million. What? If if you look on, it's crazy how if you Aha's had like thirty nine singles, they've had like ten top ten singles in the UK. They are the most like the most successful Norwegian band of all time. Mm. But in America, they've had like three singles. They had Take On Me, which was obviously huge. Yeah. And there was some other song which has kind of been forgotten. And this, and this only hit number fifty in the US. This song kind of bangs. It's a good song. And this is like a fan favorite. Um in nineteen ninety one, which was obviously a long time ago, but still after this, they played to a concert of two hundred thousand people. What? <laughs> Where? Uh, I think it was Brazil. Yeah, yeah it's always Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. Brazil. Uh, Aha is really—it's really funny because, like in America, it's like, oh yeah, they're one-hit wonder. But and like, I don't know any other Aha songs except for "Take on Me" and this title song. But in the rest of the world, like they're a huge deal. They're kind of like Oasis, I guess. <laughs> they're like the wow. oasis—the oasis of Norway, probably. That's fascinating. I had no idea. The other fun fact about music for this is that before AHA, uh, the Pet Shop Boys were asked to do the soundtrack. Oh, that would have been cool, too. But they ba- But they backed out because they couldn't do the whole thing. They thought they were going to be able to do like the entire score and that not just sweet. Uh, the title song. That would have been really cool. I wish they would have. I like the song, too, um, but the credit, the, the credit sequence... One of the worst ones we've seen. Oh, it's lazy, man. Very it's, lazy. Yeah. Come on, the, guys. This, I think you cursed us stuff for saying the last one was too horny. You did. You uh, did. And now yeah, this I, AIDS era one comes in there and uh, it's lame. I, it was awful. I wished on that monkey's paw. <laughs> I like I like the colors that were used in this, uh, but it's, generally this, it's not cool. And this goes to my whole thing about how the, the Bond guys were just on autopilot. It's like, ah, oh, just put fire gun, put a woman there. Yeah, whatever. Guys... It seems like we really enjoyed the living daylights. Yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. It was maybe my favorite. Oh. It was probably my favorite one so far. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely this gold in Goldfinger, and I still like on Her Majesty's Secret Service are like the three I I've enjoyed the most. Um, next up, though, I think and we'll talk about it next week. We're going we're going in the Pierce Brosnan era, and we're going with Goldeneye, which I'm, I think we're going to stream is, playing Goldeneye for an hour. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how this is because I don't think I've seen this since the theater. This is probably our first Bond movie as kids, right? Yep. Was for me. If you want, uh, if you can't wait for us to listen to Gold Night, you can uh, check out our Patreon. Uh, go to freepodcast.com and there's links to that, or or just go to um, Patreon.com/slash The Midnight Boys. We have an episode about Moonraker. <laughs> um, so even though we're not Roger Moore fans, we've talked about two of them. And we also have one on Casino Royale, uh, the 1967 Bond movie. So if you want more Bond content. Otherwise, next week, Goldeneye, Pierce Brosnan. I'm excited. We'll try not to talk about the video game too much. There's a drive-by <laughs> fruiting. <laughs> <laughs>